0: Welcome back to Blue Skies and Green Pastures. I hope you're doing well today. Today is Monday, September 19th, 2022. And today's topic is going to be what the Bible says about being a Christian versus the way most of us live as Christians. And I know some of y'all are probably way better at this than me. So this is of course going to be a general statement when I say most or anything like that. So what does the Bible say? Well first let's talk about what do most people think of when they think about being a Christian. Well if they're already a Christian then they probably heard something like this when they were going to to church or A friend led them to Christ, or whatever, they said that you need to believe on the Lord Jesus, you need to confess your sins, and you need to repent, which means to turn away from sin, and you need to ask Jesus to forgive your sins. And all of that understands that you are a sinner and that God is going to judge sin. And therefore, you need a Savior. You need you needed someone who could, who could pay the price for you that you could not pay. Because otherwise, you are going to be sentenced to eternal judgment. And so, you heard the good news of Jesus. And that was, if you believe in Jesus, you will receive forgiveness and you will not... Be judged instead, you will get eternal life with God, and that is the wonderful news, right? And if you're lucky, you may have got a little bit more detail about specific terms such as salvation, justification, sanctification, and what those mean, and hopefully, you understand that God was very merciful when he sent jesus and he did that out of his wonder his great grace for us he gave us mercy he gave us grace mercy means that you did not get what you deserved if you accepted jesus you won't get the punishment you deserve for your sin that's mercy and grace means that you did not you are getting something you don't deserve in other words you didn't earn the mercy you didn't work for the mercy you didn't do anything to um, have your sins forgiven other than believe in jesus and other than believe that he is who he said he was so after you did all that you you should have gotten baptized because the bible also teaches that we should be baptized And then you are probably sent on your way, possibly with a free gift of a Bible, and hopefully with some instructions, such as, here, study this Bible. And also, if you're not a member of a church, for example, if you got saved somewhere besides a church, you're probably going to be told, go join a church that teaches the Bible. Okay, and that's a big deal right there because not every church is actually teaching the Bible. And the next one is to actually attend that church on Sunday and maybe even other days of the week. In other words, you're not going to just like join and then, you know, show up occasionally on Christmas and Easter or, you know, if you just get in the mood. um Becoming part of the family of God means becoming part of the church, which is a physical building as well as a spiritual um, idea. We are, we are part of the church. We are the body of Christ. So being part of the, the physical church in your community is, is essential to being part of the complete body of Christ. And then the last thing that some, some of us find a little harder to fit in is that you should actually serve in the church. In other words, there should be something that you can do no matter who you are where you are serving the Lord. And for some people that might be prayer and that might be all they can do. And other people give financially more than others because they have more money, but but and you know prayer and financial things, financial um, support, are very important to the physical church because churches normally have ministries where they outreach into the community, they help people who are not members of the church, and they need actual money to. To do these things and in the Bible people were expected to give to God and they did that in different ways but mainly they gave to their the priests and you know I'm not really sure what they did after all the temple the temple was destroyed and stuff like that but we know that they turned to idolatry so probably they weren't giving but um so let's compare those things to what the bible says well how can we do that because we're talking about what does it mean to be a christian well in the old testament people were not called christians but they were people who believed in god and jesus is god in the flesh so the people in the old testament if they believed in god then they were in the same group that we're in so when god talked to moses he gave him the 10 commandments and that might be one way we can think about um just a you know a brief way some of the things that it meant to follow god in the old testament now after that They got an entire book or two of rules in the Old Testament, in the book of Leviticus and Deuteronomy. And then after that, the the priests just added even more and more rules and it just really became impossible for people to follow all those rules. But God started out with ten rules. So let's look at those ten rules. Number one. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Now, there's a reason that that is number one. It is because it's the most important one. Because the most, the sin that God hates the most is idolatry, and that is worshiping other gods, trusting other gods, even believing in them. And that means, you know, even just casually believing in them. Unfortunately, in the world today, there are many people who, who call themselves Christians, but they also worship other gods. So number two is thou shalt have no idols. What are idols? Idols were actually physical statues that people thought had the powers of the gods they represented. So that goes with number one. So number one and two is you should have worship, not worship any other gods and you should not worship idols So we have to be very careful not to do that. God really hates idolatry. Number three, do not misuse the name of the Lord your God. And that one is really important because God's name is holy. His name is very holy. And yet, using God's name in vain is extremely common in our world, even among Christians. So we shouldn't do that. Number 4 is remember the sabbath day and keep it holy. Well, the sabbath was intended to be a day where the the Jews did not do any work and the purpose of that was that the, God wanted them to prove that he that they trusted him. So he did not want them working, he wanted them to rest just like he rested on the seventh day, but he, he gave them, you know, rules. And when they were in the wilderness, one of the things he did was he provided enough food for them on six days so that they could not collect any food on the seventh day. And that was meant to build trust in, in him. He wanted them to trust him. And it's the same with us. Whereas we are Christians, we no longer follow the Sabbath rules, but God still doesn't want us to work, work, work all the time as if we don't trust him to be able to provide for us. So number five is a really good one that seems to be falling away. And that is honor your father and mother. And that one comes with the promise that if you do this, that you you will have a good long life. And number seven, number seven, eight, nine, and ten are the only ones that are like very clearly thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. So seven is thou shalt not commit adultery. Eight is thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt and nine. Thou shalt not give false testimony. So that means lie. And then the number ten is thou shalt not covet. And that's a really um, common one in our in our society today in the world today is we want what other people have. That's coveting. And God doesn't like that one because He wants us to covet Him. He wants us to. Put our faith in him and not worry and chase after um, material things. And that's normally what coveting is. Or it can be other things like someone else's um, partner, you know, so sex or um, fame or popularity. Um, someone's like physical fitness. <laughs> so God wants us to be have a heart of gratitude and contentment and that's really hard for us so let me take a break here and get a drink of water okay so I said we were going to compare to how people actually live and I, I recently wrote a blog about please don't call America a Christian nation and the, the main point of that blog was that If America was really a, quote, Christian nation, it would look very different. Um, Yes, there are Christians and there are Christians who are doing uh, great ministry in God's name and they're helping people in God's name, but there's, there's so much bad stuff going on in the world that I don't really think we should call America a Christian nation because then that's kind of like giving christianity and god a bad a bad name. You know, if we say that america is a christian nation and people are like, "well, what about this and what about that?" then then you have to explain to them, "Well, that stuff's not christian." So, i just think that using it as that as a label when there's, you know, so much bad stuff going on and you all know what i'm talking about corruption, sexual sin, greed, uh, you know, homelessness, drug abuse, drug addiction. I mean, there's so much sexual sin, there's pornography, there's swinging, there's polygamy, there's, uh, child molestation, there's, um, just, you know, parent, you know, um, incest i mean there's horrible things going on in america and sadly some of the people doing those things even represent themselves to the world as christians and then when they get caught then of course that that's always going to come out you know oh this person was a christian or you know like a televangelist or even just a like a youth youth pastor who was doing the wrong thing or whatever. So anyone who's in a position of power and calls themselves a Christian is definitely held to a much higher standard. So we can't, we, I don't expect America to ever be a utopia. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying what I'm saying, that America is not a Christian nation. It's, it's a secular nation, just like the rest of the world, that has Christians in it, Christian churches, and, you know, I think we, we Christians could probably do a little bit better job of spreading the word if we weren't so entangled with politics and um, political parties, you know, um, and i've been guilty of this myself of calling myself a christian conservative or uh, you know linking the two together when i'm starting to see more and more that it it's just not that cut and dry as far as plat you know political platforms and what the bible says is right <laughs> and that even goes for economics um, I've always considered myself a capitalist, and I do believe that free market capitalism offers the best um, you know standard of living to the world when when it's done when it's done with Christian values, but too many capitalists today do not believe in God, and they they have no qualms about you know laying off thousands of people just to make more profit or whatever so there are there are issues with the type of capitalism that we have now but yes I'm still a capitalist I'm not a socialist communist or any of that but as Christians if we call ourselves capitalist we have to be willing to be a Christian capitalist we, we should not separate the two. We should not, like, turn off our, you know, take off our, our Christian T-shirt just because we're doing business and think that it's okay to, you know, cheat people or be greedy or, you know, oppress the workers or anything like that. Because I really think that is one of the problems that's going on in America right now is that, well, that's just one of them. There's others. I mean, there are people who are literally lazy and entitled and um, just confused and on drugs and don't know Jesus and and all that. I'm not saying that um, evil capitalists are the only problem in our country, so don't get me wrong there. I'm just saying that if, if America was a Christian nation, that probably our business world would look a little bit different and I think some changes can be made that can improve improve things but people have to be willing to stop being so cutthroat and be we're going to have to cut some of these monopolies and and um, just be more honest about the fact that some people are hurt by our current economic system So, how can we do that? Well, we can look at what Jesus said. And there's a special sermon in the Bible that many many people have heard of, and it's called the Sermon on the Mount. And this is found in Matthew chapters 5 through 7. And the reason it's called the Sermon on the Mount is because it says that when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. The Sermon on the Mount is the most famous sermon Jesus ever gave, and it's often used, you know, to call Christians hypocrites, and I think we can see that, based on what Jesus said, some Christians are hypocrites, maybe even me, maybe you. So let's see, what does it say? It says... um, well, I'm looking at the Got Questions website, and it says if you were to sum- summarize the Sermon on the Mount in a single sentence, it might be like this How to live a life that is dedicated to and pleasing to God, free from hypocrisy, full of love and grace, full of wisdom and discernment. Doesn't that sound like a great way to live? It really does. So in the Sermon on the Mount, I'm not going to read all of it, but we. it starts out with the Beatitudes, which are the verses, the famous verses, such as blessed are those who mourn and blessed are the the meek and blessed are the poor. And then it explains why. And then the next verses are about how Christians are going to be salt and light to the world. And then after that, he talked about how he fulfilled the law. After that, he discusses his interpretation of anger, how anger is the same as murder. And then he says that lust is the same as adultery, and that he talks about um, how divorce is wrong, And then he talks about oaths, and he talks about revenge, and then he goes on to loving your enemies, giving to the poor and needy, and then he talks about how to pray, how to fast, that we should store up treasures in heaven, we should not worry, we should not judge hypocritically. In other words, he says that we should, well, let's just read what that one says. Matthew 7, 1-6 Judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So he's not saying that you should not ever, you know, point out when your brother is doing wrong. He's just saying you sh- make sure that you're not sinning before you go pointing out someone else's sin. Um, okay, I lost my screen there. Okay. So then he talks about um, ask, seek, and knock, and he's he's telling people, look, if you want me, come and come and find me. And then he says that the road to him is narrow, and um, let's read that one: enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Wow, that really is not what a lot of preachers are teaching, is it? So you can see why it's important to actually read the Bible. Because the things that you hear from popular philosophical you know, teachers, may not be what the Bible teaches. And then in 7.15, he says, Beware of false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. So he's saying they look so gentle and safe, but really they want to eat you alive. And then I love 724. This is a story that most of us have heard about building your house on the rock. And I'm going to wrap this podcast up with this story because I think this is a good summary of what it's like to live as a Christian. It means that you're going to be countercultural, but you're, you're going to have a sure foundation and when the storm comes you're going to stand so let's read Matthew 7:24 through 27 everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell, and great was the fall of it. So if we want to build our house on the rock, that means that we will study Jesus' teachings. We will read the whole Bible. We will read the prophecies. We will read um, what what happened after Jesus was crucified. The the letters of Paul and and Peter and James and all of it works together. It's not you know we don't we can't just pick out a verse here and there and then make that our life verse. No, we have to live in daily dependence on God. And that means that we are living by the power of the Holy Spirit. So I, I urge you to read uh, the Sermon on the Mount and any other books that you have not read before. And find out what does it actually mean to be a Christian And compare that maybe with how you've been living your life. And I plan to do the same. I'm I'm not trying to be a hypocrite or point out that I'm any better than anyone else. Um, I just think that the time is short and Jesus could be coming back at any time. And it's really important that we are right with God and... That means actually knowing and understand, understanding why we needed Jesus, what he did for us, believe in it, and then following Jesus. It is not simply um, saying, uh, saying the sinner's prayer and then going about your life the way you were before. Your life should change. Your whole life should change if you are really a Christian. So, anyway, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Check out my blog at blueskiesandgreenpastures.com if you want to read my article called Please Don't Call America a Christian Nation. And um, come back and see me again for the next episode. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.